Welcome to The Sending Space. On this episode, we're going to talk through what it means to be a gospel community leader. So it's a, it's a pretty high calling to be a leader of a ministry, and churches try to accomplish a lot by uh, utilizing volunteer leaders. And, uh, and so that comes with, it's great, it's our strength, I think, as a church, um, but it also comes with its own unique challenges and, um, and responsibilities for you as volunteers. So in this episode, we want to talk through what are we looking for in a gospel community leader? What are our expectations of you as the, the pastors of this church and leaders of these ministries? And, um, and then also just what does a gospel community look like? What are we actually hoping this creates? So Ryan, let's start with you. Could you tell us what do you have in mind when you picture what a gospel community leader does? Well, I think a leader of any type and a gospel community leader is no different. A leader requires two key things. The first is kind of a vision of the culture that they desire to create. Uh, you can see uh, the way that things maybe should be, or you might be able to see what's broken and what needs to be fixed. So that ability to, to you know, look critically, but also hopefully towards what, what could be. And then the other part of it is then a plan um, and the wherewithal or grit to execute it and make it happen. And so while m- many of you may have various degrees of experience leading, you know, a small group or a life group or something at work or, you know, whatever, um, I think those of you who've been part of a family or raised a family or are raising a family, uh, ra- you know, leading a gospel community kind of has some parallels to maybe raising a family. You know, in, in, in my family, Katie and I, uh, we talk a lot about what we want to see with the culture of our kids and the way we want to deal with conflict and the dreams we have, the vacations we'd like to take them on, the experiences we'd like to have the kids have. And the kids don't see that or know that at all. They, 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 they just tend to uh, participate in what the family is doing. And they maybe have, as they get older, their own visions of, of what they'd like to do. But they tend to not think about the whole family on their own, they tend to think about what they individually want to do. And so being parents, we're thinking about not just what do Ryan and Katie want to do, but we're thinking about what what culture do we want to create in this family. And so I would say as a gospel community leader, that is really your, your primary um, uh, leadership quality is to be able to say, this is what a good gospel community is, and this is what a bad gospel community is. This is what we dream of creating as our holistic culture, and, and this is what we hope to avoid in our holistic culture. And you'll find that most of the people who are in your gospel community, without ever trying, they're going to have ambitions for their own lives personally. But often they're, they don't actually have a vision of what the group collectively will do. And so it's kind of the gospel community's leader to instill that in lots of different ways. You don't have to like get up on a soapbox and talk about it, but uh, it's even just what you model, what you do, the things, the activities you guys choose to do together. And so that's, that's the, um, the vision side. And then the execution side is just like in our own family, Katie and I have had plenty of conversations of wouldn't it be cool if we had this spontaneous, you know, picnic and did this thing together as a family and ask each other all these questions about what's going on in their lives. And sometimes the picnic doesn't even happen because we didn't count the number of hours in the day. And it just, that was a great idea, but it just never happened. The other times it's like so much is going on in life. We just don't even feel like being reflective at all. Or sometimes we are reflective. And when we're reflective, one of the kids ends up getting in a fight with the other one. And 
we just can't avoid that conflict. And so it just falls apart. And so part of the reality is that it's, it's one thing to be able to see what you hope will happen. It's a totally other thing to also make it happen. And so a gospel community leader is really kind of keeping focus on both those two things, helping to dream together with your, you don't have to do it on your own. You just have to ask questions to your gospel community. Hey, how would we be a community that did this, that, you know, really ate together? What does that look like? What do we want those gatherings to look like? Getting them talking about it and then not stopping there, but then going, now, how are we going to make that happen? Who's going to host? How are we going to host? When we host, who are we going to invite? Um, who's going to be in charge of, you know, bringing the food? Who's going to make sure the dates are on the calendar? That's the execution side. So I think those are really two critical parts of being a leader in any environment, especially critical for a gospel community leader. That's really good. I, I think of, like, when I hear you saying all that, it just makes me feel of, like, ownership of the thing. And yeah. I think sometimes... Uh, it, Every personality is different, but some personalities are uh, so concerned at like getting it right, and uh, and a lot of the way we've structured these gospel communities, there's a lot of freedom built into it. Yeah. So there's the vision that we have for the ministry as a whole and for Creekside as a whole, um, and you just like have this fear of like it has to be just right or has to look like so and so's group. But what we're really saying is, yes, that's the the goal that we're aiming at, and we're going to talk through that in just a second. But uh, but saying you as the leader have to have that vision too. It might yeah. be slightly different, and it should actually be like really specific to your group. But like you've got to own it enough to where you actually want it. And yeah. if the vision isn't compelling to you, uh, everybody's going to know that. Yeah, totally. And they're going to feel you know if 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 you're hosting a gathering that you don't particularly want to be at yourself, it's really hard to fake that and make it be a place that other people want to go to. Exactly. Um, and if you're trying to put on Bible studies and things like that, that you aren't interested in, but you just feel like you should, people aren't going to be want to be part of it. So I think we, we waste a lot of energy in leadership in trying to do things that we ourselves aren't passionate about. Right. Totally. So I don't know. I feel like it's that combination of like what, uh, getting ourselves passionate about the right things, but also finding like, what's the version of this thing that I'm personally passionate about. Exactly. And the nice thing about gospel community is it's not nebulous. We're not just saying, come up with things out of thin air. And some of you might be overwhelmed by that. I mean, what we're really asking is at least once a month, host some social gathering, you know, where people eat together and enjoy one another. And maybe if it's the right setting, pray together. Uh, if not, you don't need to, but it's a intimate time where you can just or like a social time where you can just, you know, have fun, enjoy one another and build relationships. And then we're asking you to do like a sacred space where people are more intimate and definitely we want prayer to be a part of that and the reading of God's word. And But the rhythms and how and when and where those things meet, um, that's that's totally up to you. And so we're, we're not asking you to just come up with a whole framework. We're just asking you to be creative and honest about when those social gatherings are achieving what you guys want or when the sacred spaces is or isn't achieving what you want it to achieve. Mm-hmm. One thing that comes to my mind is thinking, uh, so I don't want this to stress anybody out, but I do think that being a gospel community leader is uh, just like being a pastor in a yeah. lot of ways. So that's not to scare anybody like, I don't have time to be a pastor, but it is to say, uh, you know, when you're pastoring a church, you're like, you're praying for everybody. You're wanting to check in as much as you can. You're worried about the general health of everyone and trying to like set them in the right direction. Um, when we do a church service, we uh, we pray beforehand. You know, yeah. we collectively pray together, but we also um, 
you know, individually we're just praying like, God, please show up and work at this event. Yeah. And there's just like a, an ownership and a care and a uh, responsibility of, of just saying, God, like use me to do something with these people. Yeah. And I feel like for myself as a gospel community leader and all of you, it's, it's very similar, not in the pressure of I've got to put on this great service or something, but, yeah. um, but I mean, at my best, when we're doing a gathering at our house, um, I'll stop and pray, whether it's just me or the whole family or if our co-leaders can be yeah. there early, just pray and say, God, like this whole place, there's people coming here that you want to connect yeah, with. Use this. Yeah. Use this time. Use me as an individual. Um, you know, bring things to the surface. And then it's just looking at the people that are there. It's not just about throwing a good party, but it's just saying, yeah. how's everyone doing? I care about them. I, I can't solve all their problems, but like I want this to be, um, I want us to live like a family and be yep. like a family and care exactly. for each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and I think just along the, that line too is realizing that we can't do it all alone. So yeah. if you as the leader, you're not responsible to do everything that your group does. And Ryan was alluding to that too, that um, you can't be passionate about everything. You can't make everything work yourself. And so you have to have um, co-leaders certainly, but also just other people in the group that are willing to share the load. And that can be hard. And we're, we're here to kind of help when that feels like that's not the case. But um, but just realizing like it's not about you putting together some product that everyone's passively consuming. It's uh, it's we're in it together. We're all going to care about different aspects of this. We're all going to bring different things to the table. And so just being willing to like lean on the other people in your group and because uh, there's there's the vision that we have for gospel communities, and then there's there's the part of that that overlaps with kind of your passions. But that's true of you as the leader, and it's true of your co-leaders, and it's also true of the individual people in your group. And all of those things together, like form what, like your group's sweet spot, what it looks like, and how it functions. Yeah. Um, okay, so to give us to give us like a sense of where we're headed with this, or what we're actually shooting for, um, we're going to talk through um, sort of our gospel community leader job description. And uh, this looks like there's a there's just sheet um, that you'll have access to somewhere. We have it on the website, and we've sent it out over email and stuff. But it basically is just a triangle. And the triangle we use a lot as a diagnostic to just show this is what we're shooting for. There's got to be three components. There's an up where we are loving God. We're trying to deepen our group's love for God. There's an in, and this is where we're loving each other. We're enjoying each other. We're caring for each other. And then there's an out where we're trying to bless friends, neighbors, and coworkers. Um, and all three of those are important. So we're just going to kind of briefly talk through how the triangle should shape um, the heart of gospel community, but also play into like what we practically do with it. Yep. So I don't know, Ryan, do you want to start talking about the, the Yeah, upside? I think, you know, if you're feeling overwhelmed by this sense that, oh man, as a gospel community leader, I have to have this vision. Uh, this is it. This is the vision right here. I mean, we're not asking you to come up with a vision. We're asking you to, to ask how this vision might get played out in your context with your group of people. Um, so the vision is very simply this triangle that these gospel communities are always having an up component, an in component, and an out component. And that doesn't that may mean that programmatically those things are separated. Um, it may mean that there is designated prayer time at something, and that it may mean that you know when you get together in sacred space, that's your in time, um, or your social spaces tend to be in time. Uh, it may mean that you do these specific outreach type social spaces. Sure, those are all programmatic solutions, but really more what it means is that you're looking at your gospel community and saying, are people genuinely engaging God? 
And are they really investing in the relationships with each other? And are people who don't know Jesus um, in the places we live, uh, in our streets and neighborhoods, in our places we work, uh, in our kids' schools, uh, are they, are these people like, are they being invited in? So are the outside people being reached? That is all, that's what you need to be asking. And, you know, if I look at my gospel community at any given moment, um, one of those things or two of those components might be stronger or weaker than the others. So, so keeping the vision is just about going back to this triangle and saying, all right, let's just honestly assess where things are at. Like, what sh- how can we grow in the up or the in or the out? What is the strongest of these in our group? What is the weakest of these? Why? And I, I like the picture of a triangle because um, it's kind of like three equal angles, three, you know, uh, three equal sides sort of idea that you're trying to, that the balance of this is really important. You know, um, it's not a lot of things. It's just three things. But these three things, none of them can really be separated. A, a gospel community that only spends time in prayer and reading the word and very focused on God, but but doesn't know each other, isn't real, yeah. there's no confession or repentance, isn't really a gospel community. It's just a worship session, you know, and a gospel community that doesn't um, reach out is not really like fulfilling the Great Commission. Jesus left us here to, you know, spread his, spread the gospel. So the reality is these things are all critical and interlinked. Yeah. So on a real practical level, um, just, so just thinking about the up component in particular, uh, each, there's a lot of freedom in this, as we've been saying, each gospel community thus far over the last couple of years has done this um, pretty differently. So mm-hmm. there's some groups where everybody is meeting together uh, weekly or, or bi-monthly to have like a Bible study together. So some people are discussing the sermons. Some people are going through a specific book or something. But those leaders feel um, this is vital to where my group is at right now. They need to grow. They need spiritual feeding. We love having these conversations together. And so that idea of the up component of deepening each other's relationship with God is happening in a pretty traditional like Bible study format. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's great. I think that's really wonderful. Um, and it's But also, it's one of the three components, right? So we don't right. want to... We, we're not saying that that in itself is a gospel community, but that might be a vital component of your gospel community. Right. But by contrast, um, like, so a group I've been a part of, um, we have like a few guys are in a Bible study together. A few girls are in a Bible study together. We have a couple of ladies that like read um, the same like devotional plan and then they take a walk and talk about it together. Um, there's some people that aren't directly involved in a Bible study. And so there's like this smattering of different people are getting fed in different ways. But when we all come together um, twice a month for a meal, um, we're having sort of individual conversations and it does get into actual actual spiritual conversations. And, you know, some nights we're eating and we're just talking about our kids or our jobs and it doesn't get that deep spiritually. But most of the time, just by trying to have conversations, it, you know, we're not that shallow of people. So it's coming down to, you know, how how are things actually going? What are you struggling with? What have you been learning lately? And I've had some of the best um, spiritual conversations, spiritual breakthroughs with people just by trying to have a conversation with them, not planned, not um, curriculum driven, but just because we're asking. And so I think I just share those examples just to say um, these don't all have to look the same. Yep. Um, and uh, and I think it's healthy that they do look different. Um, it, like in our setting, we have so many young kids that trying to 
uh, get childcare for all the young kids so we can all sit down together is is a nightmare. Like it's yeah. pretty prohibitive, and um, and so we just have to think outside the box a little bit. But yeah. the important thing is just that it's present. Yeah, and I would say some of the best up moments that I've seen. Um, I too have a men's group that meets every week, and that is we're going to the life of Jesus. It's twelve, and that's great and and wonderful. But um, one of the some of the greatest moments have just been as we're sitting at a social space and someone shares something that's going on in their life, and I just ask them right there, "Can I pray for you?" You know, yeah. right here, right now, and not in front of the group. Sometimes our group has prayed for someone going through something, but. There's also been side prayers and side conversations and times where we sit around a fire after just everyone else has left, but just a few of us are there. And um, that's when you really get like the intimacy that you'd get on the in. But also um, those are moments where we're talking and pointing to Jesus and then also praying for each other. So I, I think the idea of if you walk into a gospel community setting, you can create the culture of up and in pretty easily by asking people questions about what's going on in their lives. And then when someone's dealing with something or going, going through something, you ask them maybe a few follow up questions and then ask if you can pray for them and pray right then and there. And it just immediately makes it a different, a different experience. It makes it a close experience. It makes it a spiritual experience rather than just a social one. And a prayer can take 45 seconds. It doesn't take that long, but people feel cared for and also, you're you're petitioning, you know, got a universe to, to you know, um, intervene and and to be a part of the solution here. So I think that's really an easy, practical way to make up without adding another night or another thing or a, you know, right. a part of what you're doing. And if you're doing that as the leader, you're kind of setting the tone to your, you know, once you sit down, once you stop, listen to someone and pray with somebody as the leader, that person then understands what that feels like and how that works. And, uh, and sometimes they'll put the pieces together like, oh, okay, I could do that with someone else in the group too. Yeah. And then you've just multiplied that part of the culture. But um, sometimes I just practically, I find myself sometimes explaining to other group members, um, you know, it's, it's part of like vision casting or whatever, but it's just saying like, yeah, you remember that time that we like stopped and prayed or I'll kind of mm-hmm. share some of those stories to just help them see, oh yeah, I could do that too. That's real yeah. easy. I can ask people and I can, totally. I have permission to stop and pray with somebody and um, that, the best best groups I've been a part of are ones where people are, begin to own those things themselves. Yep. And there's nothing cooler as a leader than having someone sort of do that for you without you initiating it. Yep. You realize, oh, cool, this is part of the culture of the thing. Totally. I think um, to move to another side of the triangle, I think for the, the practical side of the in, uh, again, you can have, and I do have, for, for me and some men in our group, we have 12 and we meet weekly and that's always an opportunity to be um, more intimately involved in each other's lives. But on the, um, on the everyday, like practical level, I think asking good questions and modeling um, transparent sharing and confession is like a really good way to to bond together. And you'll find that you may spend a lot of meals together, which is good. Eating together is a great way to, to build like, uh, an engagement with one another. But, um, it's really a, you can eat with a lot of people and never really get to know them. So asking good questions of people is what 
it helps to expose what's really going on in their lives and their like asking questions about their fears and asking questions about what they're happy about, what they're celebrating, what's good in their life right now. Um, asking feeling questions helps people to articulate um, kind of the more intimate thoughts and struggles. And that's what makes a family feel close is when that happens. And I think we all want that. We all want to be known in that way and accepted in that way. Uh, but very few people ask really good questions of us. And so we tend to just give really simple, superficial answers in conversation because um, no one's asking. But yeah. we wouldn't, we're not afraid to share if someone asks. And most people are that way. If someone asks a real pointed question, most people don't go, oh, I'm sorry, I, that's too private, I won't share. Um, in fact, if they, maybe they're a little apprehensive to share at first, but usually once they do, they feel really connected to you, like you care about them, you know? Hmm. So I just think it's a really good questions is a really good way to build the in in a um, gospel community. That's so good. I, I think just the, the rhythm of having people together eating, just enjoying life together, just having that rhythm, that standing rhythm of a place that I want to be with people that I enjoy, uh, I think it opens up all these opportunities to care for each other. So I, I've often thought as a pastor, people would be shocked if they knew how many people on a Sunday morning that are walking around in the, in the worship center, in the lobby, how many of those people are going through something pretty significant? Yeah. Um, uh, tough marriage, tough time with their kids, some chronic illness. like And it, feel alone in it. And they feel alone in it. And yeah. we as pastors are like, you never know when someone's going to finally take the step to like set up a meeting or come talk to one of us yeah. and say, hey, I'm going through this big thing. Because they, yeah, they feel alone and they're not quick to share those things. Um, and it feels like this big event to like, okay, now I'm going to talk to the pastor about yeah. it. But what what's beautiful is if... If everybody in the church is in um, this family setting, and it doesn't have to be like this profound question, uh, the, qu- the questions we need to be creative and get down to, but even just that reality of like checking in every week, like, hey, how's stuff going for you this week? I feel like we're just, it opens up all these opportunities to say, actually, you know, I had an appointment with my doctor this week, and here's the thing. Like, I hear stories, so many stories from our gospel communities of people that are um, wrestling with heavy stuff. I finally find that out about it as a pastor, but people are, already there. They're taking meals. They're praying over that person. They're caring for them. Um, And so I think just that regular, it just makes it so much more practical and so much more natural, which is what people need. Right. Totally. So again, just like with the prayer, you can create the culture by being the one who demonstrates asking questions. You can create the culture by starting a uh, weekly or monthly gathering on something that is more intimate and spiritual, or you're going to pray for each other, or you're going to do like 12, or you're going to read the Bible. There's lots of different ways that you can create that intimacy. Um, but that's what we're saying as a gospel community. We're just looking for that to be one of the main, the main targets. And then in terms of out, um, out is kind of the same way. I find that as, um, and I think this is probably true of most, most people who are regular to the church, um, have grown up in church or been at churches, you know, quite a bit. You don't have to tell them or convince them much that they that that the things we do for church should have something to do with God. Um, you don't have to convince them much that um, they need a community around them also who believes in God and is pushing them to be more real and intimate. I mean, most people kind of want that, and that's what they're looking for when they come to a church, especially a smaller one. Um, they looking for that intimacy, but 
most people don't have any desire and have great fear around the idea of reaching out to people um, or bringing people who don't know Jesus or who are not part of the Christian subculture into the Christian subculture. Mm -hmm. So there's this great like apprehension about how awkward that would be, about what it says about you, about what it's going to mean at your workplace or your future relationship of them with them. Uh, it feels like it's confrontational or presumptuous, like you're trying to convert them and that's yeah. weird. So there's all of this fear associated with how do we do out well. Um, and so for me, one of the things I love the most about the gospel community format is I find the meals, while they're beneficial for our gospel community as a whole, they're also the most natural and easy thing to invite anybody yeah. to, um, in, at least in the season of life that we're in. We will do dinner with anybody. And when we do dinner with people, they go from being strangers um, and sometimes weirdos in our minds, you know, <laughs> to being people that you're like, oh, no, I can relate to you. Like, I yeah. get you. I'm not, I don't know what I thought you were like, but um, you're not like that, you know, and right. um, we can connect. There's a human connection. And so the out component isn't intended to be this big, scary evangelistic training thing. Um, it's to say, what the gospel community leader's job is, is to say, we are not going to settle for community that does not include uh, bringing people who don't know Jesus into our homes. Yeah. And it's easy in the church to settle for in and up. Yes. But, and so we're going to, as a gospel community, fight against that and make sure that when we look at our social spaces, if it's only just our gospel community people from Creekside, then we're going to ask, why is it that way? And let's reevaluate. It doesn't, it's right. not a failure. It's, it's not, every gospel community fails at having their social events um, be outreach oriented all the time. There's lots yeah, of different, sure. but the leader says, Okay, so what do we try differently? Why is it why is it that way? Do we need to make them smaller and more local? Like, um, you know, we one so practically speaking, one of the problems we ran into in our Loomis Gospel community is we would find that as our hosting houses changed, it was weirder to invite somebody to someone's house across, you know, the town from you to someone's house they don't know and they were less likely to go than they were to come to my house when it was at in my when I was hosting and so we came to realize like look we need to host kind of regularly and when we do host that's the opportunity to invite people from our kids school cuz they'll come when we're the host we just invite them to our house we have the relationship with them and we need to create maybe some other opportunities that don't involve everyone from our gospel community but but that would be really natural to invite people from our kids' school or something to. Um, and so so that was a way to solve the problem of when we go to somebody else's house, it seems like uh, the, na- the neighbors or the friends or the people we met at our kids' school, they don't come unless it's at our home. Yeah. So there's lots of different ways to assess it. But again, it's just that sense of we're not settling. We're not going to settle for something that's just up and in. It, it has to be always asking, who, you know, who's out and... How do we get there? You know, how do we reach them? You know, yeah. Having having this as a goal, as a component of the goal, has been, I think, a complete game changer in terms of where we used to be with traditional small groups in the church. Versus, I I just feel like we always used to be uh, telling people in the church, you've got to go reach out to your neighbors, you've got to be telling people about Jesus. But we didn't have anything structurally in the church that yeah. would actually aid them in that, and everything structural in the church actually 
insulated people from that. And so this is the first chance I think we have where we're saying this is a major value and it should be part of our regular rhythms gathering together. And so just so many similar examples of what you have. But like for our group, um, yeah, we don't have uh, non-Creeksiders there at every gathering. Um, But we have that as a value that there's always this open seat. We always want somebody else there. And and we found exactly what you found. As we host at different people's houses, um, people that are connected to that hosting house, whether by living in the neighborhood or being a coworker or something, they'll come there. It takes a little while for there to be buy-in before they'll drive across town with us. Right. Um, but, but the huge point, too, is we don't have some massive agenda for people. It's not like we're trying to get them to come so that they can, like, hear a sermon and whatever. Um we're just trying to share a meal with them. We're just trying to love them. We're just trying to like further that relationship with them. Yeah. And, um, and so that the stakes are so low. So, I mean, we've done it, we haven't figured it out yet. We're continuing to try it, but we've done it as easy as texting neighbors like, Hey, on Friday night, there's gonna be a bunch of cars in the streets. We're having some friends from church over. We'd love to have you guys join us. And, right. um, that's been great. We've had some people come, just sometimes come. they don't come, yeah. but it's it's just like it's really just it's like being a neighbor, you know. We would yeah. do that if we had non-church friends coming over and just letting them know, hey, like it's going to be busy out there. Sorry, feel free to come grab a burger. And yeah. uh, and so it's just opening up some of those doors. And we've also done you know specific like um, Christmas party outreach in the neighborhood, and we'll invite a couple people from our gospel community to be there at our specific neighborhood party, and that's been cool too. Yeah. But it's just it's just finding ways to kind of keep the boundaries between us and them a little bit blurred yep. and to keep, keep there being an empty seat. And I think too, to just make sure that all of our, us as the leaders, we set the tone, but also the people in our group knowing that inviting people in, whether it's other Creeksiders or people um, that are not part of the church at all, um, inviting people in is a huge value. And we're yeah. always going to like applaud that and push for it. The more we can invite people in, um, the, the healthier we are as a church, just in general. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's good. Well, I think the last thing I just wanted to say to kind of sum us up with the gospel community leader and like job description is I think it's really critical just to realize that um, every leader is different. Every leader has strengths and, and weaknesses. And so there is no one standard for how these things play out. The question you need to keep praying through and asking and discussing with uh, your spouse, if you're co-leading with a spouse, or your friends, if you're co-leading with them, um, what you need to keep asking over and over again is, is Lord, how do you how do you want to use my gifts uh, in the way that in the community and the people that we're trying to reach uh, to to do up in and out together? It isn't about it being um, particular to. There's no like. There's no like universal standard. So my gospel community is going to look different than yours, and Mark's looks different than mine. And there's some commonalities, but they're all different based off of where we live, who we are, how many kids we have, what stage of life we're in, what we enjoy doing and what we don't enjoy doing. And that's the freedom of it. And hopefully you can see that there's enough structure with gospel communities to make you not feel alone. Um, and there's enough freedom to adapt it so that it fits into your life age and stage and preferences and the people you're trying to reach. Yeah. And that, and that's, I think that's a perfect place to leave it, except just to add that I don't want any of you feeling alone in processing it. So some of you are go-getters and you're going to, you've already, you know, have thoughts and a plan and you're going to go for it. And that's great. Um, 
you, but even then you're going to run into troubles. You're going to run into judgment call situations. You're not going to be sure what to do. And so just know you're not alone. We're all figuring this out together. And so, uh, Ryan and I are both here for you. Um, if there's questions you have, we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, we also have a coaching structure in place and some of you know about that. Some of you might be kind of new to, but the coaching structure looks like someone who has done a great job leading their group and they're just there for you and a cluster of other leaders to just help you process stuff. So um, you can be as isolated as you want to be, but we want to make sure you know there's those doors and those channels that are open and we'd love to just help you process that stuff. Um, And then, and then just to say too, that as you like keep rolling through this, they're, they're going to be there. They'll give you some tools. They'll be checking in regularly. They're going to be pushing you to do things like identifying, you know, potential leaders in your group, um, helping you process when's a good time for your church, for your group to multiply um, as you, you know, invite people in and stuff like that. But um, there's resources. We're here to help. And um, I'm just super thankful to get to work with an army of people that are all going after the same thing in a big picture sense.